The Guardian. A strange spinning oblong object suddenly appears in our solar system, displaying inexplicable behavior and moving at a speed that baffles scientists, some of whom begin to think the unthinkable. Humankind is about to make first contact with an alien civilization. Sound like science fiction? Well, actually it is. It's the opening scenario from British writer Arthur C. Clarke's classic 1973 story, Rendezvous with Rama. But in 2017, it also became reality with the arrival of Oumuamua, the first ever interstellar object to be observed in our solar system. Traveling at 196,000 miles per hour. This mysterious and massive object has baffled and fascinated scientists. It's nicknamed a muamua, which is Hawaiian meaning a messenger that reaches out from the distant past. Researchers at Harvard University are suggesting that it may be an alien spacecraft. Is it or not? And I shouldn't laugh. But now, have a team from Yale finally solved the mystery of this peculiar object. I spoke to the lead researcher, Daryl Seligman, to find out. Oumuamua itself, that's the very first of a completely new type of astrophysical object. You know, this is basically the most primordial and pristine material that you could ever see. I'm the Guardian science editor, Ian Sample, and this is Science Weekly. Hey, Daryl. Hey, thanks for having me. So this all starts with the appearance in our solar system of an object called Oumuamua in 2017. How did you first hear about Oumuamua? And what were your initial reactions to this, Daryl? Yeah, so the story starts a couple of years ago. So it was October of 2017. There's an instrument called PanStars, which is based in Hawaii. And it routinely images the night sky every night looking for transient or things that change in the night sky, but primarily what they're doing is looking for near-Earth objects. So things that could come in and potentially be hazardous. So they just flagged it as just an interesting looking object. And then after a couple of nights where people were going back and forth and more data was coming in, it was pretty definitive that this body was the first time we had seen something from outside of the solar system passing through. And so they realized it was interstellar. That initially got everybody excited. And I think at the time I was running some simulations of Jupiter's atmosphere or something, and I just completely dropped that. And I was thinking to myself, this is just so interesting. I have to work on this. And I was thinking to myself, kind of, if an interstellar object comes through the solar system, what's the best way to study it? And so clearly what you want to do is, you know, point every telescope on the Earth at it. And that's what happened. It was only there for a couple of weeks, but astronomers all across the globe were observing it. And there was a huge amount of data just in a couple of weeks that came through from the object. What is it exactly, though, that made people think, hold on, this is actually pretty exciting, but also we don't really know what this is? What was the kind of mystery uh, and, and the, the weird signature about it when you first spotted it? Before Muamua was detected, a lot of people thought that the galaxy should be filled with interstellar comets. It wasn't a new idea. That's because we know that in our solar system, the giant planets such as Jupiter and Neptune ejected lots of material into the interstellar medium. So if there are lots of giant planets like Jupiter and Neptune out there around other stars, you'd expect them to scatter out lots of interstellar comets. But 
the first very mysterious, weird thing about Oumuamua was that although it came through and it was clearly interstellar, there was no tail. Just remember the difference between comets and asteroids in the solar system is that comets have tails. But when you see these beautiful cometary tails, what you're actually seeing is icy material that's getting close to the sun and heating up and transitioning from ice to gas. And there's kind of small micron-sized dust particles in that outflow or the sublimating gas. And so what you're seeing in the tail is just the big outflow with a bunch of dust reflecting light. So that was the first mysterious thing about a movie. It had no cometary tail, so there was no outgassing. There was none of that gas detected. And then the second thing, the shape of it was extremely weird. So you've probably seen the image. If you just Google Oumuamua, you've seen the artist impressions. But what you're getting that from is they were monitoring it with telescopes and seeing how the brightness was changing over time. And it changed from bright to dim by a factor of about 12 every around four hours. So what that was interpreted as was you have something that's very elongated, that's then tumbling. And what you're seeing is as it goes from bright to dim is just head on versus edge on projections of reflected sunlight as the body reflects sunlight towards the earth. But to get a factor of 12 and bright to dim, you need something like an elongation of six to one. So the long axis is six times bigger than the short axis, which we've never seen in a solar system body or any astrophysical body up close. So how you generate something that has a six to one aspect ratio is extremely weird. And then the confounding thing was that a few months after it was initially discovered, it turned out that there was a non-gravitational acceleration in the trajectory. So that means basically the way that Oumuamua moved through space could not only be accounted for from just the sun's gravitational force. So Oumuamua was speeding up as it left the solar system. And the way it was speeding up, it was always being pushed away from the sun. So that was, that was interpreted initially as evidence for cometary outgassing. And when I say cometary outgassing, remember that's just when the sunlight hits the ice and that sublimates or produces a gas. And so that outflow is gonna push the body away from the sun. So solar system comets have non-gravitational accelerations all the time. It's not a weird thing for that to happen. But the reason this was so weird for Oumuamua was that there was no coma and no outgassing detected. Where actually was Oumuamua when it came through the solar system? Can we talk about it passing between the orbits of two of the planets, say, or, you know, I'm trying to get a sense of how far away it was, but also what it was that made astronomers think straight away, this is interstellar rather than just something that hadn't been seen previously in the solar system. So we only detected a Muamua right at the end as it was leaving. It came very close to the Earth, about 40 of the distances between the Earth and the moon when it was detected. But once we figured out what its orbit looked like, a Muamua basically came and entered the solar system from straight above and came down inside of Mercury's orbit. So it came in and came very close to the sun and then got slingshotted out past the Earth and out back into space. So it was what's known as a hyperbolic trajectory. So the planets in the solar system, they just all go orbit and go around and around. But Oumuamua got scattered out and then left 
And that's how we know that it's interstellar because it came from somewhere else and it's never coming back. What's it like when astronomers like yourselves are rushing to study this object and you're really focused on trying to understand what this object is, where it's come from, what the nature of it is, and a whole load of the initial attention is just people talking about aliens. What is that like? <laughs> I've silenced you. Well, I mean, just, I mean, <laughs> after the non-gravitational acceleration was announced, it was just Oumuamua was such a mystery. You know, every day you're trying to figure out what the heck could be going on because this thing just makes no sense. It's just everything about it is so weird and mysterious and acting exactly the opposite of what you expect. It's natural for people to go there. And I think it's just motivation to try to figure out, you know, what's going on with the object. When you started studying it, though, from the start, what were your initial thoughts on what, what you've got here? What did you think you were dealing with? My initial thought was that it was a comet that got scattered out from an extrasolar system. And if you actually look at my first paper where we proposed sending an interception mission to an interstellar object, we did all of this work to show that a Muamua could be a comet. And then after the non-gravitational acceleration was announced, I kind of thought that maybe it's something else. But now with the hydrogen hypothesis, that explains every single mysterious thing about a Muamua. So I'm quite convinced that that's the case now. Tell us about the kinds of techniques you used in your latest paper to really delve into what Oumuamua is. So what you can do is you know exactly how much Oumuamua moved away from the sun. So we measured the non-gravitational acceleration and that required energy. You also know exactly how much energy Oumuamua got from the sun because you know where it was in its orbit. So you can just say, if I take the surface and put ice on the surface of a muamua, how much energy does it require to power a jet strong enough to provide the non-gravitational acceleration? And if that energy is more than the amount of energy it gets from the sun, then you know that species of ice or that type of ice can't work. So we just did a check where we said, what type of species work get enough energy from the sun to power the jet? And it turns out to be shockingly constraining. And basically, hydrogen is the only thing that works. And so what that's telling you is that if the non-gravitational acceleration of a muamua was powered from this outgassing model, then the ice that could be powering the composition must have been solid hydrogen. So does this mean that it's solid hydrogen all the way through or could it be sort of a hydrogen coating with something else underneath or could it even be you know h2o or some other kind of compound with with a lot of hydrogen in it you could very easily have other stuff mixed in there six percent of the surface is the lower limit of what needs to be sublimating for it to work so it doesn't need to be pristine hydrogen which is good because it's a lot easier to build something that's not pure hydrogen so that's more believable from a formation scenario but the weird thing about the hydrogen, even though, so hydrogen is the most abundant element in the universe. So why is this such a weird idea? Well, you've probably never heard of solid hydrogen because hydrogen freezes out at less than six Kelvin. Zero Kelvin, remember, is absolute zero. So this is extremely cold. The only place that you could go in the galaxy to form solid hydrogen potentially 
is the coldest, densest cores of the giant molecular cloud. So in the galaxy, you have these star-forming regions, you have these giant molecular clouds of gas and dust, and inside of the clouds, you have what's known as pre-stellar cores. So these very cold, dense cores where stars form. And these cold, dense cores, the idea is those have to cool down to less than six Kelvin and hydrogen can freeze out and build up these chunks of solid hydrogen. Does this then close the book on a Moonworth? Are we now, you know, confirmed, we're, we're sure what it is, there's no more to see here and it's time to move on? So for me personally, I'm biased because we came up with it, but I think that the hydrogen hypothesis is very convincing because even though it's kind of exotic, it explains all of the weird things. So it explains why you didn't see the outgassing because it's you never would see hydrogen coming off the surface. It explains the non-gravitational acceleration. It also explains the shape. This one I thought was the clincher for the paper. We saw it took a muamua, the six to one shape when we saw it and backtraced it through the solar system. And we recovered that when it entered the solar system, it probably had an, if you just pack hydrogen back on, and do the bar of soap in reverse analogy, then you get a muamua looking like a two or three to one aspect ratio when it enters. So much more believable. So to answer your question, I think this for me satisfies me because as a theoretical explanation for a muamua, what we really need to do is detect more of these objects and test to see if this was really going on. Because a muamua is long gone, so we'll never be able to verify 100% for sure what it was. Since Oumuamua left, we have seen the second interstellar visitor, Comet Borisov. Um, is that a very different beast or, you know, might we actually be experiencing, might the solar system actually be sort of home to far more of these things coming through than we're aware of? So it's funny. Basically, the only thing about Borisov that resembles Oumuamua is that it's interstellar. The fact that Two years after a Muamua was detected, you detect another interstellar object, certainly verifies the fact that there are tons of these interstellar objects. And in the near-term future, we're going to be detecting many, many more of these bodies. But I think there's two distinct and roughly equally numerous populations. There's the interstellar comets like Borisov that form like the, that basically form like the comets in our solar system and get ejected from giant planets. And then there's the population of dark interstellar hydrogen icebergs that form in the giant molecular cloud cores. And they're both very interesting and new types of objects. But I think Oumuamua itself, that's the very first of a completely new type of astrophysical object. You know, this is basically the most primordial and pristine material that you could ever see because it's the stuff that was present before a star formed. So it, it would tell you about the initial conditions for star formation that then led to a star forming and all of the planets to form. So I think there's a lot to learn from both of these type of objects in the future. Daryl, as, as things fall apart down here on Earth, um, how much of a comfort is it to be thinking about all this stuff going on up in space? It's nice to get a get a break from what's going on here on Earth just by doing my research and, you know, having people interested in the hydrogen iceberg hypothesis because it tells you that science is still going on and science is still exciting and you can do things. So I think it's kind of relieving and it makes me feel hopeful that 
at some point in the future, things will get back to normal and these things, these scientific discoveries will still make an impact on people. It must be a real buzz to be, you know, identifying what this object is and then thinking of it out there somewhere, leaving our solar system, heading who knows where. Oh, yeah. It's been extremely exciting. Even before we figured out the hydrogen iceberg thing, just the chance that during my PhD, one of the most interesting astrophysical objects would just wander through the solar system and get detected. It was just the perfect opportunity to work on something totally new, totally interesting and totally mysterious. It was extremely exciting. That's why I spent so many sleepless nights working on a Muamua because it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Daryl, it's been brilliant to hear all of this and to hear about your research. Thank you so much for explaining it all to us. It's really good of you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Daryl. And also thanks to you, our listeners. At a time when the need for open journalism is more apparent than ever before, we appreciate your support. As always, stay safe and see you back here soon. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.